It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly and their dog Ninja. Hey y'all. Okay, on what planet would my brassy Philadelphia accent ever pass for the charming salted caramel tones of the southern accents of Jerry and Tracy? This is Dina Marie, host of the Twisted Philly podcast, and you are listening to one of my favorite twisted shows, Hillbilly Horror Stories. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Jennifer from California, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. I also like to say a special happy birthday to the show. Mothman, there's no need to feel down. I said, Mothman, lift that man off the ground. I said, Mothman. You're in a new town and there's kids to be abducted Mothman, there's a place you can go, I said Mothman When you make your eyes glow, you can stay there And I'm sure you will find many ways to scare the townsfolk Cause you're a really big M-O-T-H, a really, really big You have big flappy wings, creepy glowing red eyes, and the element of surprise, cause you're a really big M-O-T-H, a really, really big M-O-T-H. Welcome everybody to episode 53 of Hillbilly Horror Stories, that means we are just one week away from our true anniversary. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, how is your one-year anniversary the 54th episode, if you do a weekly podcast? And hey, how is it? <laughs> what did I know you wouldn't know either? <laughs> I don't, it don't work well, out that way. Well, first of all, episode one is always the week you're doing it. So the second, the, the first week anniversary is always going to be episode two. So oh. you can't count. So it's going to be the 53rd would have been, but if you remember back... Uh, Episode 17, I think it was, was kind of a bonus episode, the only one we've really done, mm-hmm. that we threw in the middle for the Scurvin Hotel from the guys for KSR. Oh. So, that one was just an extra one, so we actually did two that week. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, the 54th episode is actually our 52-week anniversary. Oh, so, well, there you go. There you go. Bunch of cool stuff scheduled for next week. We'll talk about that later. As of right now, we have a cool-ass show for you tonight. Put a lot of effort into this because... You guys have been bitching and moaning for the Mothman for probably about six months now. And I kept putting it off and putting it off because I wanted to be able to do something different than what everybody else did. And lo and behold, something recently has happened, and uh, that made it okay for me to do it. So Yeah, a moth flew in his mouth. That is not what happened. So he's like, hmm... I got a taste of moth in my mouth, so I think I'll do the Mothman prophecy this this time around. It's not the Mothman prophecy. Please don't get us sued. 
What is it? That's a terrible Richard Gere movie. That's the same thing. It's just <laughs> it's just the Mothman. Oh, what well, does the Mothman flew up his face? Anyways, so uh, real quick, let's give a, a quick thank you to all of our military and civil servants wherever you are around the world. Thank you, guys and gals. Hoo-wah. That's more, that's more just Marines. I know. But, I just okay. wanted to do it. All right. Let's just, you know. Love you all, though. Single, single people out. No, love you. Speak, speaking of singling people out, uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Dakota Jimenez. Dakota actually did our little intro that you heard coming in. Uh, she is a friend of uh, a good friend of the show, Chelsea Anaya. Okay. And today is Chelsea's birthday. Happy birthday, baby. Did you want to sing happy birthday to her? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chelsea. Happy birthday to you. It's actually better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay, so happy birthday, Chelsea. Thank you for getting Dakota listening to the show. I know she works with you out there, and I know you've got probably half of the uh, place you, you work at listening to us, and we God, thank you for so that. that's so amazing. Thank you so much. I have to mention, and I, and I found out something new on this, I told you last week about the studio headphones. Yes, it's named after a stupid Phil Collins song, and they'll probably get mad because I said that. But <laughs> don't use that as judgment against these headphones, because these headphones are pretty damn good. I've they had, are. I've had over a week to use them now. It's hard to get them off Tracy's head, even though she doesn't like those particular kind of over-the-ear headphones like I well, do. messes up my hair. Whatever. Anyways, they're actually really good. they got really good sound to them. I love them. Now, here's what I found out for you that's pretty cool. I was wanting to make sure of something, so I actually did a search on the internet. Target has the ones that I just got. I just got the Regents, and Target has them for $149.99. So does Home Shopping Network. The amazing thing is if you go right to their website, studiosweden.com, they actually have them for $99.99. That's their regular price. When you put in the code HILLBILLY15, you get 15% off of that. So $150 headphones at Target, and you can actually get these things for what, like 75 bucks, yeah. roughly, plus tax? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you beat that? I mean, that's almost half price. Yeah, they sound amazing. From what they're selling them for at some places. Give them a listen. I, I promise you will like these things. If you like the earbud ones, they've got the earbud ones. They started about $59, I think $49.99. Mm-hmm. It goes up from there, but $49, $59, $69, $79. All kinds of price points, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All kinds of nines. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's a 99. That's marketing technique. We'll get into that some other day. <laughs> but keep in mind, we are giving away a set, a set of these two weeks from now. So what we're going to do on the birthday show next week is we're going to tell everybody to go to our uh, Facebook page, which you should be doing anyway. So look us up on, on Facebook, Hillbilly Horror Stories. Go ahead and, and like the page because we're going to put a post on there and then we're just going to tell you on the show. Hey, go sign up for it, and then everybody who signs up, you'll be a number, one through whatever, and then we'll use one of the random number uh, apps on the phone, and we'll pick a winner, and you'll win a set of $80 headphones. How about going to our website, Pretty Please? Don't be so bossy. (sighs) My God. Seriously. Thank you. I'm giving them $80 headphones. I don't have to kiss their ass, too. You have to be nice. Don't make me slap you upside your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good lesson in being nice. Okay, real quick. <laughs> let's jump through the uh, the iTunes reviews this week because I want to get into this story. Sasquatch Hunter 2269, not to be confused with Sasquatch Hunter 2268 because 
That person did not leave us a review, but 2269 did. Well, Thank good. you so much. Thank you. Brandy May, Ray LaFond, Christoph Rabel, J&K Tom, Southern Heathen, Zombie Therapy, Bell, Melissa from Virginia Beach, Bee's Mama, and Colossus. Man, thank you. Wonderful. Remember, these reviews help us out immensely. So if you're on an iPhone, an ant iPhone, I'm sorry, I'm talking, let my southern heritage come out. If you're on an iPhone, if you're on an iPhone, click review. It's the easiest way to do it. It's it's a little harder from Android. But anyway, and then uh, real quick. New patrons this week. Lisa uh, Goldman, she was actually already a patron, but she raised her to a higher level so she can get more shows. Walter Mose, Amanda Riley, Danielle Williams, and Rhonda Baker. Thank all you guys for signing up. Yeah, you guys rock. And uh, we're getting ready to drop a new bonus episode on Tuesday. And I'm going to tell you this. If you haven't signed up for Patreon, now's the time to do it. First of all, we've got five bonus episodes already in there. So those of you who are always saying, hey, I wish y'all did more than one show a week. We do more more than one show a week. We do two extra shows every month for our patrons. So for as little as $3, you can get one show. For $5 and up, you can get both of those shows. And it's something that we put a lot of effort into. The shows we do on Patreon are just as good as the shows we do on the regular uh, free feed just because we feel like if you guys are going to plunk down your hard-earned money we deserve to give you the very best for example tomorrow we're going to be doing the son of sam which is a phenomenal story if you've never actually heard that we do mix a little true crime with paranormal on the bonus episode and then we're also doing the beast of bray road which jackie gets will be excited about because she lives right there in that area and she's been asking for us to do that forever and cool. jackie's a patron so she'll get to hear it Really quick before we get into the story, because a lot of people have been asking me, and I want to give you an update. Nick Hall. Uh, obviously, they're still going through a rough time. Uh, they laid little Brianna to rest earlier this week, but I talked to Nick yesterday. He's in about as good a spirits as you could hope to be in that situation. His wife, Katie, is doing better. She's sore, just went through some surgery, and uh, his daughter, Michaela, um, still got a rough road ahead of her, but things are looking better, and... Um, I told you know him that I was going to give an update for everybody because you guys have been so nice and posting stuff on the Facebook page and and uh, asking about reaching out to him. But they're they're things are getting a little bit better as you know at least as good as the situation can be. But I wanted to give you guys an update so you know where they're at. Good good news. Okay, let's get into this story. Now, as I said, this has been something that's been highly requested. And I tried to dig up as much uh, information as I could that that hopefully you haven't heard completely of. Everybody knows the main story, and we're going to try to give you a bunch of other stories, including some new sightings that we'll get into at the end of it. So how about that? Sounds great. Do you know anything about the Mothman? Yes. He is big and bulky and has wings, and he flies into your windshield and you're like damn that was a big moth but it really was a big moth okay i don't think that's happened in any of the sightings so (laughs) well all i know was on the movie that she saw it and then she had a wreck so now we're basing everything on what you saw in a movie honestly that's really all i know about do you know how many movies we've actually told the true story of that really wasn't anything like the movie yes i do several I know this. Uh, and I would say, uh, I'm going out on a limb, but every one of them was completely different than the movie. I was right, though. He's big and bulky. 
Somewhat. And had red eyeballs. Somewhat. And. What? <laughs> Speaking of which, next week's show, The Warrens and the true story behind The Conjuring. And maybe, if my luck comes through, a very special guest. But I'm crossing my fingers. Oh it's my a, gosh, you guys are going to be so excited. It's supposedly set up, but until it happens... It, ha- it, it hasn't happened yet. I know, but man, you guys are going to be like, what? I've never been so excited about a guest that we've had on, and we've had a lot of really good guests, so that says a lot. So there you go. All right, so let's talk about the story. The Mothman. The first recorded sighting was November 12th, 1966, and it was in a little town, I think it's Crendenin, West Virginia. I'm sure I butchered that. But there was five men digging a grave at a cemetery when this huge brown-winged creature lifted off from, I guess, some nearby trees. All five men saw it, and they said it was a humanoid-type creature. So you got five people digging a grave. They see this thing take off, every one of them. Did they jump in the grave? No, I did not believe they jumped in the grave. I would have probably. The creature was seen in plenty of places, all over West Virginia and some surrounding states, Ohio being one of them. Most of them were in, there's an area called the TNT area in, uh, out right outside, <clears throat> excuse me, at Point Pleasant. And the reason they call it that, it's an old uh, abandoned uh, munitions plant that was just, like I said, just north of Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. And what they did was in, Back in the day when they, uh, World War II, right around World War II and stuff, they would hold use this place to store bombs, gunpowder, that type of stuff. Oh, wow. So it was kind of like, you know, it's all these little, some of them are like berms, if you know what I'm talking about, where they're like built into the hills and mm, stuff like that. Yeah. So you got the front, but it's mainly coated. So that's kind of what the place looks like. What you will find out is that right now and even back after the, after the place kind of closed down, it's more of a uh, a wildlife preserve right now. So there's a lot of trees, a lot of, you know, what, what you would say, like a forest type situation. Mm-hmm. So it actually would be a good breeding ground yeah. for something like this. So like I said, it goes all the way back to World War II for the explosions and stuff like that. Um, mostly forest, but there are some, some concrete domes that uh, people call igloos because mm-hmm. it kind of has that igloo. Uh, effect to it abandoned tunnels that type of thing so that's kind of what's up there but nobody there's nothing going on right now it's just kind of buried back there in the forest yeah but a good place for him to hang out yeah you would think here's a fun fact 1979 some fishermen reported that chemicals were left to seep into the ground there so after they i guess the munitions plant closed up and moved out there were still some chemicals that were left to seep into the ground Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that would have anything to do with it with you know but well maybe he was a little baby bat and he ate the criminal, I mean, he ate the chemicals, and then he grew into that big fat brat. Bat. Okay, and I'm not editing any of oh that Oh my out. God, I messed up a lot I'm of words. I'm not editing any of that out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, in 1983, Bye. TNT area there was voted among the uh, USA's most polluted sites. Oh, that's terrible. So, yeah, it's pretty ugly. But that really has nothing to do with the story. I just thought I'd throw that in there for oh. a fun fact. All right. And just to hear me mess up talking. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that was just a bonus. All right. <laughs> November 19th, 1966. This was three days after the, the guys at the cemetery seen it. You got two young couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, 
and Steve and, and Mary Martellette. They were in a, a black 1957 Bel Air. I don't know why it was important for me to tell you what type of car and everything, mm-hmm. but you know. It's kind of cool. I like to give details. It was right around midnight. Now, Linda noticed that this, you know, they were back there by the munitions plant, by mm-hmm. the way, uh, on the street that leads back here. Linda noticed these big glowing red eyes in the dark. It was right by the north um, power plant, part of it back there. When they went to leave, the lights kind of shone. Is it shone? Mm-hmm. Shined? The lights shone on the creature. So everybody in the car got a good look at it. Yeah. Everybody. They said it was about seven foot tall, had red eyes and wings. And all I can picture when I hear this is like the creature from Jeepers Creepers, which I think was actually kind of based on the Mothman. So oh. if you've ever seen that movie, I think that's... I think that's where they got that from. Anyway, they pretty much hightailed it back to, to Point Pleasant. They were like, you know. Yeah, that's pretty scary. I think we've seen enough. So they're out. They go down Highway 62. This creature, whatever it is, is flying behind them. It's following them. At some points during this trip, they were going 100 miles an hour. Oh, God. And this bird was keeping up with them or whatever it was. They get to town. They're scared as hell. Now there's no sign of it. So they decide that, you know, it must have just been a bird. A bird. But that's what they said. Well, that's dumb. So they headed back towards the TNT area to more or less face their fears, I mm-hmm. guess. Once they got back to Highway 62, um, there it was again. It was waiting on them. So car lights. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, car lights hit, hit him and he just kind of disappeared. So they went back to town. They talked to the sheriff's department, went to the Mason County Courthouse. And uh, they were talking to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. The police started to kind of investigate for about two hours, but they didn't find anything. So kind of what they probably expected to find. Now, it's important to mention that none of these people in the car were doing any kind of drugs or drinking or anything like that. So that's, well, that's not even yeah. that's not even uh, a yeah, possibility sure. mm-hmm. of that being the situation. Now, the next day, there was a press conference, and the newspaper began to kind of print the story and kind of make a big deal out of it, which caused other people to come forward with their stories. Now, this was the event that got the attention started, and and everything after that kind of came you know, just because this story came out. Mm-hmm. So just like anything, it's just like when we talked about the Leg- legend of Bogey Creek, once that the people saw the, that Bigfoot encounter, then all these people were like, oh, we've been seeing it for years. Oh, yeah. So same type of thing. A couple sees a man-sized bird creature, and that's now, you know, something else. That's going to, It's going to be a story, you know, worth printing, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, so that's kind of what happened. So no. So November 16, 1966, Linda Scarberry was rushed to the hospital by her dad for having a nervous breakdown. So obviously, she had some some deep um, shock or, or trauma from, from what she saw. It really scared the crap out of her. Mm-hmm. Now, Roger said, look, I'm a hard guy to scare, but last night I was getting the hell out of there. So now you got two people that there's no doubt what they saw right. in, in their minds, at least. The creature would be seen 100 times over the next 13 months, in right around the Point Pleasant area. So that's primarily where this thing was being seen at this time. Mothman witnesses were harassed 
by men in black who wanted them to not speak about the creature. Oh. So I don't know how many of these, but it was a situation where more than one person yeah. had came and said they were approached by people telling them that they weren't to speak of what oh, they saw. Oh, so they knew themselves what was going right. on. Right, and I don't know if it was Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith I know, or... I make this suit look good. Yeah. Yeah. Many people who, who uh, saw him complained that they had these horrible nightmares and mysterious phone calls where people would just call and hang up. What is the point of that? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how the Mothman knows how to use the phone or if he's got cell service. <laughs> well, or... I don't know either, but that's annoying. <laughs> so I'm not really sure how that works. But some had dreams of presence floating in the water. Like like gifts. Oh, like presents. that kind of presence. Yeah. Oh. That was kind of the odd thing which comes into play. And some of this actually will come into play with a, a story we're going to do in a little bit. Some people reported that they saw this creature sitting on the silver bridge that connects Point Pleasant to Galapagos. That's uh, both, obviously Galapagos is Ohio. Now, during rush hour on December 15, 1967, the silver bridge collapsed into the Ohio River killing 46 people and injuring several others. Wow, that's awful, awful, awful. Killed were people that were coming home from work, after school functions, even people who had been out Christmas shopping. Much like the nightmares that some people had said, there were obviously presents floating mm. in the water that you could see. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, can you imagine being on a bridge and then just the whole damn bridge fall down? No, I mean, I, it's it's that's got to be the scariest feeling oh of, of knowing. I, and I've seen you always see that those pictures. I think it's the Golden State Bridge. Oh, the one that was doing that up where, and down. We're doing all that shaking oh, back yeah, and forth, no and I just I just couldn't imagine. Oh my gosh, no! And how concrete holds up underneath that? I know, seriously. So that's why I'm not a engineer. But anyway, the problem with the bridge was it had a defective I beam, and, oh, and that's what ended up busting on it, which made it fall. Now, let's talk about, that. that's the story everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some other stuff. Mothman-type creatures have been seen all over the world. They've been seen all over the United States. They've seen them in Texas. They've seen them very similar-type situations and very similar um, descriptions of them. I want to tell you about one that happened in early April of 1986. Now, we're talking 30 years later. Mm-hmm. It was in a little town called Pripyat, Ukraine. Now, obviously, that's in the Soviet Union. People started noticing a large winged creature with piercing red eyes, black fur, and no head. No head? Yeah, it didn't look like it had, didn't have a head. They could see the eyes, but it didn't look like that it had a head, which some people have say, said about the Mothman. Some people say it has a tapered head. Mm-hmm. Some people say that it has no head. It's just... That's but, bizarre. How you hold your eyeballs up there then? I, I mean, I don't know. Because it looks oh. like it's in a chest or something. Oh. So that's what they were seeing over there. Now, keep in mind, 30 years later, this is in the Soviet Union. There was no internet. So how are people over there getting this same description yeah. as what the people in Point Pleasant had 30 years earlier? Yeah. It's not like they could just look it up like we can today. They didn't have Google and right. shit. What happens is the people who had encountered these sightings also had nightmares. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. They also had weird phone calls. 
people that calling and hanging up. Same exact situations that happened in Point Pleasant. Now, these sightings happened all the way up until April 26th of 1986. It was 1.23 a.m. in the morning when Reactor 4 of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant suffered a catastrophic steam explosion that started a fire, which then caused a series of explosions, eventually causing a nuclear meltdown. Man, oh man. Obviously, we're talking about the worst nuclear disaster ever, the Chernobyl meltdown. And as we could say with the um, the Point Pleasant situation, you had a catastrophe with the bridge mm-hmm. there, and, and a lot of people claim that when you're seeing the Mothman, that that's some kind of sign of impending doom, and it's some type of a warning that needs to be heeded. Yeah. 30 years later, in Russia, you've got this plant that's getting ready to go through this, and now all of a sudden people are seeing the exact same thing. Oh, how scary. And, uh, you know, where they have no, you know, this it's is... It's out of their control, I guess, uh, to a certain extent. Right, but you also got to know in 1986, I mean, the Soviet Union, this was during the Cold War. This was mm-hmm. still complete communism. I mean, they couldn't even, you couldn't even get Beatle albums in 1986 in the Soviet Union. You weren't allowed to have rock concerts in 1986 in the Soviet Union. They kept the whole world out. Yeah. So... For them, there's no possible way these people would have known anything that happened in yeah. the United States 30 years before that. They oh, just wouldn't have. My gosh. So, give me cold chills. You've That's got crazy. you've got the plants nuclear fallout drifted drifted over parts of the, of the Western Soviet Union, uh, Eastern and Western Europe, Scandinavia, uh, the UK, Ireland, and some of Eastern North America. Large areas of the Ukraine. Um, Belvaris and Russia were badly contaminated, resulting in, in uh, the removal of 336,000 people. They had, wow. to re- they had to just resettle them somewhere else. I can't even imagine doing that. How do you even go about doing that? I mean, it was it was horrible. I mean, that's, you know, and, and the thing of it is, this is the thing with the Soviet Union. They're so crooked in the way that they did stuff back then. Mm-hmm. This next part will blow your mind. So following the meltdown, Soviet helicopters were dispatched. So they, it's a meltdown, and, and they're going to send helicopters yeah. right over top, top of, of it. it. You know, So they send helicopters over to the scene uh, with special firefighting equipment. Now, by 5 a.m., most of the fire was actually out except for Reactor 4, which you can imagine that's where the, uh, the, the grunt of it is, where the meltdown was. And it took several hours for that to burn completely out. Most of the firemen died Aww. from radiation poisoning. Oh, my gosh. Uh, workers who survived the initial blast, but who would later die, said that they saw a large black bird, 20-foot wingspan, and they started calling this the Black Bird of Chernobyl. It was never seen again after this. Why didn't the daggone bird inhale all that crap and die? I have no idea. That's a good question, though. But thank you. So that's one of the questions that we'll get into a little bit later. What is it? Now, some people claim, uh, and here in the United States, they think it could be a sandhill crane. But sandhill cranes are only like three foot tall, and they've got like a 10-foot wingspan. They're pretty big. But 
I guess they're they're trying to say depth perception. If you're seeing it from a distance, it looks bigger than what it really is. Mm-hmm. That type of situation. But that's what some people say. There's another type of crane over in the Soviet Union, and people kind of give the same analogy. Oh, it's probably that type of crane, mm-hmm. mainly because it's black and yeah. and all this stuff. Personally, I have no clue what it is, but it's just odd that so many of these sightings come up. Especially th- those two situations are so close. Yeah, I mean, I mean the same details and everything. That's I'm, just in like thirty years apart. Right, and you've literally got people over there right before they're getting ready to die saying, "We've seen this thing." Oh gosh. All right, so let's talk about a couple of other situations. Um, not a lot of details out on these, so we're going to kind of breeze through them. Let's talk about 9-11. September 11, 2001, rumors emerged that witnesses saw a large crane-type figure in the vicinity of the Twin Towers five days prior to the actual attack. On the day of the attack, some claimed that you could see through the clouds of smoke and debris the face and and um, parts of a humanoid type creature. You're kidding! I wouldn't kid you about something like I've that. I never, I never heard that. That's ever. I told you when we were going to do this show, it was going to be stuff that hopefully people hadn't heard before. Dang! Here's another one, and uh, Julie Carlson will probably identify with this story because this is in her neck of the woods. The I-35W bridge collapse, another bridge collapse, rush hour, August 1st, 2007. I remember when this happened. I remember it being all over the news because it wasn't that long ago, obviously. But this bridge in Minneapolis uh, gave way at the center. 13 people died. 145 people were injured. Reports came in that a Mothman-like figure started appearing at the bridge about a month prior to the collapse. Mm. Man, I don't want to drive over no bridge no more. So people, that's some really good English there. I don't want to drive over no bridge bridge no more. more. I don't want to. Sorry, Miss Willoughby. That's my English teacher. That's some double negatives out the ass. I know. Well, you know what I mean. I don't want to drive over any bridges anymore. So then, this is a little different than the other ones. In Mexico, April 10th, 2009, in the city called, and I'm not lying, Chihuahua. Chihuahua, Mexico? Yes. Oh. They started noticing... Is that where they got the Taco Bell dog? Well, the Taco Bell dog is a Chihuahua. Yeah. And Chihuahuas have been around forever. Way before Taco Bell. Why do you hate me? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So they had this huge swine flu epidemic. What? What was it? Swine flu. No, you said swine flu epidemic. No, I said swine flu. I spoke perfect as well as my mouth. Hey, some of y'all don't know. You this will, is no excuse. It is an excuse. You will hear a whistle, a lip smack on occasion when I talk, and it's because half of my face doesn't work. Because I roughed him up. That's Showed not, him who's boss. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. <laughs> But I, I had uh, I had Bell's palsy like ten years ago, like literally three four months. It was three months after I met Tracy, and it I was one of the few cases that it didn't get better, <laughs> as most people's do. It just goes away. Mine didn't. So half of my the left side of my face does not function properly. So that means my lips don't always work. So when my right half of my mouth opens, the left half just kind of goes along for the ride. So I can't properly smile. Uh, have days where I slur my speech, and 
What else? I can't raise my eyebrow on my left side. So. And I make fun of him all the time. She does. And so is my ex-wife. But it's okay. <laughs> I get even with my ex-wife because when we split up, I went to all the bank deposit tickets and I wrote on the back of them, this is a stick up. So mm. when she went to the bank. Surprise. Oh, surprise. Anyways, so you had that swine flu epidemic. We're in Chihuahua. They start noticing same type of creature, the red eyes, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so Visine could take care of that. I was going to say, yeah. man, don't they have Visine up in there? Yeah, but they, so you got the red eyes, you got the fur, you got mm-hmm. six, seven foot tall, huge wingspan. There was a student that said that he was actually chased for about 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. I done been, I had to lay down and play dead. And then two other, it's not a bear. Well, I know, but <laughs> honestly, I couldn't run that far. I don't think that works with a bear either, for real. People no, always don't. say that, but oh. I'd have a hard time. I, my colon would at least be moving. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but two other people in Mexico saw it around the same time in an apple orchard. Oh, my gosh. So. Wow. I don't know. It's kind of a stretch to tie it in with a swine flu epidemic. but I know. The thing of it is, as we've noticed, you see this thing right before disasters. What do we talk about? Bridge collapses. Oh, yeah. 9-11. Chernobyl. N- Chernobyl nuclear meltdown. Swine flu probably been seen at the release of several john travolta movies <gasps> i'm just gonna guess i'm telling who are you gonna tell I'm you don't know him. john travolta well, I might you don't know <laughs> but that's what that's what we got so far now fun stuff this is fun the first two weeks of august there have been 30 mothman sightings in chicago wait august this, this year, year this year, in, the, in this month that we're in, the first two weeks, there have been over 30 Mothman sightings. Oh, my gosh. They have reported large humanoids. August 9th, on Lakeshore Drive. That's an expensive part. Neighbor, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, expensive neighbor. Lakeshore Drive, 920 p.m. A husband and his wife are out for a walk. They see this winged creature swoop down, comes toward them. It descended right in front of them, no more than 25 feet away. It hovered about five feet off the ground, right above the sidewalk. Had a wingspan that they said stretched probably 15, 20 feet. Well, how long can these biatches live? Well, I don't know. There could be several of them, just like Bigfoot. There's not one Bigfoot running around, changing colors to white when it's up in the uh, <laughs> up in the Antarctica or wherever they're seeing them in Alaska and all I that. I wonder how and, long they do live, though. Wonder. Just well, I don't know. That's assuming that there is one. Yeah. So anyway, so they they see this thing. It said its its wingspan was huge, and it had the red eyes, and then it just took off after a few seconds of staring at them. But they were scared, and they both got really good looks at them. Not only that, they said several people on the other side of the street, including a delivery van driver, and um, um, some just regular passerby. He, they, must, he must have not been into them. They reacted with screams and yelps. And I don't think they mean like the reviews. Yelp, yelp, yelp. <laughs> the reviews on... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, those can be hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Dear Mr. Mothman, unhappy with your performance today. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that was one sighting. <laughs> but they said that he kind of... It's funny. This is like an Ultraman type thing. Now I'm really dating myself for any of you older than... Uh, 40 who remember Ultraman it said that it just kind of pulled its wings back into its body and just shot straight up into the sky oh that'd be cool yeah 
Then there was a woman, or the, not a woman, it was the same woman, but she described him as being five to six feet, winged, and then the husband said that it was human-like, and it had a small, narrow head, and the top of it was almost a point, but it had the red glowing eyes. It said it, He said that it was like a blue-green, shiny-type skin. He said it had long, tapered feet and a butterfly-type wingspan. Oh, maybe it's just a science project gone really bad. Could very well be. But the reality of it is, there's been over 30 of those sightings. Wow. I would encourage you to go to YouTube and just pull up Mothman Chicago sightings, and you will find all kinds of different mm-hmm. stories as to what's going on. That's the only one I chose to include because that was the one that had the most details. Plus, it's the only one that I saw. Damn, Ninja. <laughs> Plus, it's the only one that I saw that had multiple witnesses at one time. Yeah, so not only I'm not going over a bridge, and I'm not walking outside at night no more. Right. <laughs> no. It is odd that they don't have. I think the I think the one that happened with the grave diggers, though, I think that was during the day. Oh, really? Yeah, and and some of these ones where they've seen them on the bridges and yeah. stuff like that. I think these were. So this isn't something that just, just happens at night. No. Yep. Now I found several stories of people that that had their own little personal Mothman sightings. I really chose not to, um, I thought some of them were really cool, but at the same time, I didn't have any documentation that, you know, collaborate corroborated any of that. Mm-hmm. I, it was just basically people, uh, just saying, Hey, this is what happened to me. And I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I just chose not to include any of those. Like the Chicago deals, you'll see that I think they've even talked about it on the news. There's been so many. Dang, it would be cool, like, if we were walking at night, and one of them showed up, and we were like, hey, can we do a selfie? <laughs> yeah. Would you come on the show? <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> and they'd be like, I-, I listened to the last episode, and you played some stupid-ass uh, take on YMCA using my name. You think I'm going to come on your show now? Oh, that's true. That was kind of dumb. Yeah. But, oh, well. Hey, but hey. hey. How many times do you have a, a song about whatever we're doing a show on? I know, and when we that's find pretty it, good. I'm right. going to use it. There you go. Okay, um, special treat for you. You heard at the very beginning of the show an intro from uh, Dina Marie, Twisted Philly. She is one of my favorite shows. If you don't listen, I think you need to start listening and you'll see why. Yeah. Just like we did with Justin Rimmel last week. She is actually going to come on, and we're going to talk a little bit about her show. She is very blunt and upfront and a vulgar mouth, which I think is extremely hot. <laughs> and um, because of that, though, that's the charm. A lot of people say what they like about our show is that it's like sitting on a front porch and just talking to each other and blah, 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 and all that. Well, the charm of her show is she says whatever's on her mind, she has no filter. And I like that. If something's going on in her life, she will come on and tell you about it. From you'll hear during the interview, I'm not going to spoil all of it, but I mean, she literally will go through almost every emotion. If you mm-hmm. can tell that she is passionate, yes, about passionate. what That's she talks about, she's very real, and and it makes her a, a fantastic podcaster. But what she's going to do, just like with Justin, she's going to come on. We'll talk a little bit about the show. We'll, we'll talk about some in general stuff. We actually talk about some behind the scenes type stuff that you guys don't normally get to hear about when we talk about podcasts, but. Then she's going to tell us a story about a, a place in her neck of the woods called the Devil Road. 
mm-hmm. which is a really cool story. So let's give uh, Dina a listen on here, and then when you, as soon as you get through with this show, don't turn it off until we're completely done, but then go find her show and subscribe. Yeah. All right, everybody, we have a special guest. I've been wanting to do this one for a very long time, but this next guest to me is a little intimidating because uh, I think she could kick my ass, and I don't typically bring on guests that could kick my ass. But I want to welcome to the show Miss Dina Marie from one of my favorite podcasts, Twisted Philly. Dina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I would never kick your ass, Jerry. <laughs> I'd like I just, to I'd see like that, to though. make you think I might kick your yeah. ass. I'd pay to see it. Well, the the fact that, I, that we have uh, the fact that we have about nine hours between us uh, travel time makes me feel a little more comfortable. Anyway, good, feel safe. Yeah, Dina, you you're going to be on one of our shows that we we I chose you because this is our anniversary month, one year anniversary. So we're doing special souls all this month, and this is also an anniversary month for you as well, though, right? It is. I launched Twisted Philly uh, the end of August last year. And congratulations. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Thank you. Same, Same to you. you. It's a, I was talking to somebody on the last show. Uh, I think it was Chris Cogswell from Mad Scientist. But there are a lot of great shows that actually not – I'm not trying to sound cocky, throwing my name in there as a great show. But there was a lot of really good shows that started in August of last year. You got Mike Brown with Pleasing Terrors. You got your show. You got Chris's, our show. And I know there's a couple others out there that are – celebrating this month as well so i don't know what happened in august but apparently a lot of people decided to start podcast it's like when there's a certain time of year when all all of a sudden a bunch of babies are born yeah. except in this case it was podcast because so. <laughs> <laughs> it did i guess it didn't take nine years for, or nine months for us to cook it that's true <laughs> now what i like about your show is your show is a big mixture of stuff you you do some history you do some true crime you do a little bit of, of haunted, and sometimes you'll you'll find a way to mix all three of them in on the same show. How, tell me a little bit about the idea, the concept of Twisted Philly. I was actually writing a book, which I'm still working on. It's a fiction novel, and the novel is called Twisted Philly. And I was creating fiction stories for the book, as well as I wanted to include nonfiction stories. And the more research I did and the more stories just that I know from living in this this area my whole life, I started to realize, like, I, I think I might have something here. And I loved podcasts and I loved listening to podcasts. And you guys probably know from listening to the show, I like to talk. So no. I thought, you know what, I, I wonder if I could launch a podcast with all of this. So I started taking the nonfiction, the, the true stories from Philadelphia that include, like you said, true crime, history, legends, creepy places to visit, ghost stories. And I actually, I put a couple episodes together and then I just sat on it for a few months because I thought, who's really going to want to listen to me talk about Philadelphia? And then I discovered a podcaster from Philly. Uh, Her name is Erica. She hosts Apex and Abyss. And when I started listening to her show, I instantly recognized the accent as Philadelphia And I reached out to her on social media just to say, I love your show. I love that you're from Philly. I've been sitting on a show and nervous about launching it. And she was so supportive that she really is the person who got me over the hump of feeling like, well, who wants to listen to me? So that's really where it came from. It it started as a book. Very cool. That's pretty awesome. You know, your your show and and there's you got a little treat for for our listeners because you're going to actually tell us 
a story here in a little bit that you researched, which will be like a little mini version of your show. And I'm excited to hear that story. But you've told some really awesome stories. And and what I really love about the way you tell a story is is the way you get caught up in the story. You're not just telling a story. You're you're living that story. And I know you've touched on a couple of topics that are really uh, close to your heart. Um, I won't make you get into them because I know they're emotional <laughs> subjects, but if anybody listens to the show, they'll hear some things. Uh, for example, an accident scene that you drove past one day and you go into detail as to what, you know, th- what happened with that accident and, and the whole story behind it. And I thought that was a, a very touching episode. You could hear the emotion in your voice. And I just, I love the way you come across. Now, one of my favorite stories and I'll have you rehash a few seconds of it, if you would, is the, the gentleman um, that was keeping all the bodies in the, in the abandoned apartment building. Oh, the very first episode. So that is Harrison Marty Graham. And he was labeled by the local city papers as the corpse collector. And when I chose that story, I wanted to start with someone who was less well known. I didn't want to go out of the gate with really big Philadelphia stories he was a drug addict. He was also um, mentally disabled. He had an IQ of about 68. And, you know, the police weren't sure if he intentionally murdered these women or if they were in his apartment, which was a section of Philadelphia that was probably the worst part of the city at that time in, in the mid-80s. So they weren't sure if he intentionally murdered these women or if they all died of a drug overdose in his apartment. It could be a combination of both. But he kept their bodies and they found out because his landlord wanted to evict him, but his landlord didn't want to deal with his stinky, dirty apartment. So he sent his little nephew and his little nephew didn't want to go by himself. So his nephew got his best friend. They got the key. They went into the apartment. The apartment was filled with garbage everywhere, like knee high garbage. And they go to his bedroom and they can't open the door and they peek through the keyhole and they see a body. Oh, gosh. So the, the police are called in. And it took about six or seven hours. They searched all afternoon until it was dark. And then they put searchlights up and then they came back the next day. But ultimately, they found six different corpses. Um, Some were between his mattresses. Some were under the mattress. Some were just under piles of trash. There were two that were wrapped up in plastic and tied with electrical cords in closets. And then they found uh, remains in a duffel bag on the roof. What the hell? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's messed up. Oh. It's really messed up. And, and you know, Tracy, the crazy thing is I remember on an episode you were teasing Jerry about Ryan Reynolds without a shirt on. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to agree with you with that one. But <laughs> this guy is really attractive. Oh, and no. I, I, you know, I, I wonder, not all serial killers are, are attractive, but there, yeah. there's some that are definitely good-looking dudes. And this guy, if you look him up on the Internet, Harrison Marty Graham, he's a pretty good-looking guy. Damn, what a so, waste. I did you know, look him, I, I I did look him up, him too. In the neighborhood... <laughs> I'm sorry. I did look him up, too, when I was listening to that episode, because I was curious what he looked like after you mentioned him. Yeah, he's kind of a good looking dude. Oh, I'll have to so I can see how in the neighborhood where he lived, where, you know, everybody's in dire straits and people, there's a lot, huge problem with addiction in that part of the city. You know, here's, here's a decent looking guy. He's got a place. Maybe it's dirty, but he's offering me drugs. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, the night doesn't go so well. You know, it, it ends in death, which is really unpleasant, but... But yeah, that was actually my very first episode. And that was that was the one. first one I listened to, and it was it was awesome. So I was hooked from the beginning. Oh, thank you. Anybody that listens to your show, 
I can't imagine that they couldn't pick any episode and not be hooked because every one seems like it's as good as the other and it just keeps getting better as you uh, continue to grow. So Ooh, you go, girl. Oh, thank you so much. That's thank awesome. you. I love the one you did on the on the museum there. The um, uh, what's it called? The uh, the one with all the odd, the medical medical oddities the in it. Mutter museum, Mutter the museum. Medical oddities. Yeah, that's right. Because you couldn't. You were talking about your pronunciation. <laughs> my ex husband yells at me. He says it's mutter. <laughs> my mouth just doesn't work that way. I can't form that word. <laughs> but that that's a fantastic place. Um, it's a it's a brilliant place to visit as a museum. The building itself is just remarkable. It's such a historic wonder. And what's inside the museum is just bizarre. I mean, an entire wall of skulls. It's crazy. Oh. It's, it's phenomenal. If you guys come up to Philly anytime, you've got a built-in tour guide. And the first place I'm taking you is the Mutter Museum. Ooh. I'd love to go. I've, I've seen it on like, uh, I, I'm, I'm hooked on that history at the museum. And uh, oh, yeah. love that show. And, I, and, and they were doing a bunch of, you know, occasionally they'll throw something in up there. Oh, and right. I've always been fascinated by it. What about, tell us about your logo. I, I love your logo. I think it's awesome. Looks great on t-shirts. Thank you. And it's my understanding you did that yourself. Am I correct? I did. It's a photograph I took of City Hall from another building that was about 30, 35 stories up. And I knew when I came up with the idea for Twisted Philly, I wanted to use the clock tower in City Hall and I wanted it to twist. And so I downloaded all of these photo editing software programs and I just started playing with it. And it was probably three weeks of altering the photo and changing the color and adding texture and and then scrapping it because it didn't look the way I wanted it to look. And I didn't really know exactly how I wanted it to look, but I knew eventually something would hit me and I would just say, that's it. And so that's what I landed on. And I had a couple different color variations and I printed them out and I taped them to the wall in the kitchen. And I asked my daughter, I'm like, do me a favor, go in there and pick one. And so she did. She picked that one with the orange tones, and that was it. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't know very much at all about um, photo editing. Beyond editing pictures that I take and portraits, I'll do pictures for friends and family, but nothing from a creative design or graphic arts perspective. Um, I draw. I like doing that stuff, but I knew nothing about it, and now I'm – designing cover art for other podcasts so i don't know how that happened but that's awesome but i enjoy it i enjoy it very much you brought up your daughter and you talk about your daughter on the show um i heard you mention i guess on the live episode that sometimes people give you feedback that's not always favorable which we all get how do you feel about some of the feedback you got if they try to point out things about family or something like that? How how does that make you feel? Do you feel like that's crossing the line? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, normally, if I get a lousy review, I chalk it up with, I'm not for everybody. My show isn't for everybody. My style of speech may not be for everybody. And that's okay, because sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, and it may not be to my liking. Doesn't mean it's a bad show. Doesn't mean they're not great hosts. It just doesn't appeal to me the way I hoped it would. So I can respect that. Um, I don't personally take the time to leave negative reviews. If I don't care for a show, I just keep moving. But if somebody needs to leave a negative review, they've got a message they want to send. But when somebody wants to send a message about my kid, um, I I want to throat punch that person. Truly, (laughs) that's what I want to do. I feel like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Love that movie. Okay, so then you know what I'm talking about. The end of the movie when they go door to door with the green bar and ask them, 
are you Jerry Polly? And did you say this about us? Like, that's what I want to do when somebody brings up my kid. Because if somebody listens to Twisted Philly on the regular, they know that this, this show is me. I am 100% authentic. I'm not the professional self that I am at work where I have to rein in my personality a little bit. It's all out there. And these are stories that I've experienced or I know people who have experienced or our community experienced it. And some of them, my daughter's going through it too. And she's my biggest supporter. And she deserves for people to know that she's got her mom's back. And uh, so I, I don't have an issue talking about her on the show, but I have a serious issue. Um, I just got a crappy review recently where somebody complained about talking about my kid and my family. And, yeah. it, and that one stung. It stung a lot. Yeah, it just, I, I, I'll never understand. I can understand negative reviews. I can't understand when they make it personal. I mean, we got a review yeah. on Tracy saying her laugh was annoying. Really, that's what you're going to put in a review? I mean, there's all kinds this, of there's all kinds of annoying things about her, but her laugh she can't help that. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, your laugh is fantastic. Oh, thanks. And, but why why do that? You're just trying to hurt somebody, mm-hmm. and I try to remind myself that you know people like that. Maybe there's something much worse going on in their life than I could ever imagine, and they feel the need to lash out at others. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep that attitude, but that's what I try to do. After I decide I want to throat punch them. The throat punch comes first, <laughs> then the sensitivity follows. I think I think you and Tracy have way more in common than I would like to admit. You want to throat punch people. She's always wanting to punch somebody in the face. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a listener that's making us a metal sign. It's really cool. And it says, and I quote, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> Oh, and they're making that specifically for Tracy since she's said it on the show so many times. Oh, Lord. That is fantastic. Well, you know, you mentioned my logo. I love your logo. I've talked to you about that. I think your logo is phenomenal. Well, thank you so much. It took uh, it took a little bit of playing around. I came up with the original idea. I had several different thought processes, and then eventually I knew I wanted to do something with a skeleton, and it, and it turned out originally it was like a – moonshine bottle with like a skeleton with a, a cowboy hat on it and i was like no that's not gonna work and i just kept playing and kept playing and then eventually just the idea of the the banjos and the skull with the hillbilly hat and i and you know i like the original but i was talking to justin rimmel um earlier today and i was telling him how it progressed we originally took took the the basic one and then we slapped a, a graveyard background behind it and then playing with some stupid phone app <laughs> I, I put some color and stuff to it and then it's just kind of morphed into that but you know we we just relaunched the t-shirt line to where i had all kinds of stupid t-shirts i wouldn't say they're stupid but it was a bunch of different backgrounds with just a logo on it well now we're just using the background let the background be the or the logo be the star and, uh, so I got to order one because I love your logo and I would wear that proudly. It is your logo is badass, and I'm sorry if I cuss, but I, your logo is just totally badass. Well, uh, newsflash, uh, I've heard you cuss before. I know, <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I've heard you say way worse than ass. So, mm. nope. yes, you have. It's, yes, you have. That's what I like about you. I like that you are 100 percent genuinely you. And, Thank you. You know, that's, you know, you can tell everybody's got different styles. I listen to Mike Brown and he's a, the consummate storyteller. I mean, it's just so perfect and scripted. And I wish I could do something like that. And I can't. 
So my, my style is completely different and your style is completely different, but your style is just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost literally like punch you in the face. But in a, in, a, in a good way. I mean, I feel after I get through listening to your show, I feel like I need a nap or something because I'm worn out. <laughs> but it's just because it's so full of emotion. Um, what's been the... I get, I get worn out after I record. <laughs> I bet. What's the, uh, what's the most rewarding thing that you've come across during this podcast? Oh, wow. Um, I think it would have to be when I did the episodes about the good doctor, Lois Vicarson, uh, Pennsylvania's oldest lady lifer. And when I was researching her story, because I, I knew it, but I knew it peripherally. And I had a bunch of listeners reach out to me and say, would you cover Lois Vicarson? So I needed to do a lot of research. I wasn't intimate with the, in, with the information. And I was on Facebook and I found someone that had posted something about her funeral. So I reached out to that woman and it turns out she works for the Pennsylvania Fight for Lifers organization. And it's a group that works in advocacy for lady lifers, juvenile lifers. Um, Pennsylvania has the highest number of uh, life-serving prisoners in the entire country. We have the second highest number of juvenile lifers. And she was able to share with me so much about that organization and give me an opportunity to try to volunteer with the organization. And so I think, I think that's, that's what always blows me away that I'll go down these paths and I connect with people that I never expected to connect with. And, you know, telling the story of a woman who at 84 was denied parole for the last time before she died. And she didn't actually even kill anybody. She spent her entire life in jail and she never actually murdered anyone. And to know that there are people who are advocating, now granted, not everybody that's serving a life sentence deserves a second chance on the outside. It depends on on what their crimes are. It depends on whether or not they've, you know, been rehabilitated. What are their rates, their potential rates for uh, recidivism? But some do. And learning about this organization and what they're doing for people in Pennsylvania serving life sentences, um, it was it was unbelievable connecting with those people. And then she had asked if they could play the episodes in the women's correctional facilities in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm getting emotional now because to me, it's like, wow, that's great. You know, however many thousand people listen to those episodes. And I don't want to say they don't matter because they do. And at the same time, knowing that a woman in prison who may have maybe made a horrible mistake when she was 15 years old and she's going to spend the rest of her life there, just knowing that somebody is telling her story like that blew me away that that woman would listen to my show. So I think that's probably one of the most impactful experiences I've had since launching Twisted Philly. You know, that, that leads me to another uh, subject I want to bring up with you. You know, you preach on your show or not preach, but it, it was set up that it's supposed to be Philadelphia and sometimes a little venture out a little bit in, into Pennsylvania, but you went to a podcast convention and ran into uh, a story right there that didn't have anything to do with Philadelphia that you felt the need to tell because you felt like the story needed to be out there. Talk a little bit about that. So I was at uh, a convention in Indianapolis, and one morning before the convention started, I was outside talking to a few listeners, and one of them was holding a missing persons flyer. And I said, oh, my goodness, where did you get this? And she said, this woman's parents are standing right over there. And so I walked over to them and just introduced myself to them, and we started chatting. Their names are Don and Leandra Morris. They live outside of Muncie, but they came into Indianapolis for the convention. It was a a true crime convention. They were hoping to meet Nancy Grace, 
and get the story of their daughter out. And they couldn't get in the convention because they weren't registered attendees. And that did not sit well with me. So I went inside and I got my badge and I got another person's badge and I gave them to a friend of mine and I said, I need you to go outside. You're going to see a man and a woman. This is what they look like. These are their names. I need you to give them these badges because they need to get in here. And I tell this story publicly. I don't care if the crime con folks hear it and they decide they don't want me to come back. That's totally fine with me because you've got a, a husband and wife standing there. Their daughter's been missing for almost four years. They've had no word from the police. They're getting the runaround from the police at every turn. And all they want to do is come in to a true crime convention and hand out some flyers. What would that have hurt? Because they didn't pay their $300 registration fee. Um, so I snuck them in. And then somebody stopped them from handing out their flyers. So I said, well, here, give them to me. And so then I stood outside. <laughs> I stood outside all the, the meeting rooms. And as a couple hundred people were coming out, I'm like, here, here's a flyer for a missing person. Here's a flyer for a missing person. Because I, I was just, I was incensed. And Don and Leandra are two of the nicest people I have ever met. And I feel like, um, I feel like part of the reason I went to CrimeCon was not to be at CrimeCon. Part of the reason I went there was because I was put there to meet these people and help them. And I don't know if that means that anything I do is going to give them information about their daughter, but somebody's going to help them get that story out. And so I told the listeners, you know, I never thought I'd be telling a story that wasn't from Pennsylvania, but I met these people. Never in my life have I met someone who was dealing with a missing child. And I don't care where they're from. The people deserve to know what they're suffering through. They deserve to know the struggles they have with Delaware County, Indiana Sheriff's Department. Um, you know, Ashley Morris Mullis's name needs to be a public name. So that's that's how that came about. Well, you know, that, I, I think once again, I'm going to point out that when you listen to your show, you get the real you. You get an emotional version. Sometimes it's it's a little bit of Philly attitude. Sometimes it's, I'm telling this story and I'm so caught up into it. It takes everything I got to get it out. And that's what I love about you. You are 100% a truly good person. And it comes oh through God. on the air. You're making me cry, but they're happy tears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's such a kind, thoughtful thing to say. I really appreciate that. Well, let's switch gears real quick. How about that for a uh, segue all right change it up change it up <laughs> you got a story a paranormal story i do that you did a little research on and you're going to tell us and i'm just going to just turn it over to you and let you tell your story well thank you so the story i'm going to tell you is something i actually heard from a friend of mine it was her husband and i was at a party at their house they're the kind of friends that are always throwing great dinner parties and barbecues all summer long and he and some of his friends from high school got to talking about a legend where they grew up. And my friends live in a town in Pennsylvania called Chad's Ford. It's about 30 minutes south of Philadelphia. It's right near where the borders of Pennsylvania and Delaware meet. So if you look at a map of Pennsylvania and you see that rectangular keystone shape, this town, Chad's Ford, is in the very bottom right corner of that giant keystone. And this was probably six or seven years ago when this story came up. And somebody started talking about something called Devil's Road. And my ears perked up instantly because I love anything spooky and freaky. And I thought, okay, this is just another haunted urban legend from a road in suburban Philly. And there's actually 
another road not too far from where this story takes place that I, I thought these folks were talking about. But this particular spot was one I'd actually never heard of, I'd never visited. And I'm going to tell you the story that they told me, and then I'll tell you what else I learned through my research. My friend's husband grew up in that part of Pennsylvania, and many of his friends that were at the party went to high school with him. They grew up in the same town with him and his family members, and almost everyone there knew about Devil's Road. So driving Devil's Road was like a rite of passage when they were teenagers. Did you guys have anything like that when you were young, like a really spooky, scary place that you'd get dared to go to? to prove you were brave or to prove you were cool. Yep. Actually we, we, in, in Louisville where I grew up, there was a place called hot rod Haven and it was a twisty curvy road, tons of legends and a couple of little bridges that you go over and tales of all oh, that's, that's not red paint. That's blood from this happening. And, it, and there was a cemetery along the path that, so all of it tied in together. So yeah, I know exactly the kind of uh, deal you're talking about. So that sounds a lot like devil's road. So my first question was, well, where is this place? Because I was thinking, okay, I could leave now before it gets dark and go find this place because I don't know if I want to be on Devil's Road at night, but I definitely want to see what this place is. And it was only a few minutes from where they lived. They did actually described to me how I could get there, which road I would take from their house and where to turn. But one of the things they said is that I should really keep an eye out because the street sign had been removed. So the locals call it Devil's Road, but it's really the name of the street is Coscart Road. But you can't find it. And the reason you can't find it is the community didn't want people going down the road. Part of it was, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there were too many kids trying to find Devil's Road. But even now, 30 years after my friends graduated high school, the road is no longer passable. It used to be passable. And you would see no trespassing signs along the trees on part of the road. And there's something really interesting about those trees. What my friends told me is that for about a quarter of a mile of Devil's Road, and it's a stretch that runs a few hundred feet on either side of this house that sits back from the road, the trees don't grow right. So the trunks go up for a couple of feet, and then they bend almost in half. Mm. And they bend away from the house. They actually bend away from the angle of the sun. And I, I went online and I found some pictures. So I'll, I'll Jerry, I'll, I'll email you the pictures in case you want to share them with your listeners. Cool. But so they don't grow straight up. And this isn't just a leaning tree. Like sometimes you'll see trees that lean, their roots have started to come up. They These trees are literally, they look like they're bent in half, not at a right angle, but a very, a very strong curve. And I can't say I blame these trees for doing that because what they're turning away from is this property called the cult house. So there's a legend from about 40 years ago that started because of this old stone house that's set back into the woods. It's built on an angle. And some people here in Pennsylvania swear that this house was built by a very famous family in Pennsylvania, the DuPont family. Have you guys heard of the DuPonts? You're talking about like the, the DuPonts, like the, the wrestling DuPont guy? Yes. Yes, yes exactly. Um, the wrestling family, the chemical family. And so the name might be familiar to some of your listeners. They've owned so many businesses and they were one of the most affluent families at one time in the United States, certainly in this part of the country where I live. Now, there's absolutely no confirmation whatsoever that they built this property or that they owned it. And some of the rumors about the property that are associated with them are, are really ugly and nefarious. So I'm not going to share those because I just I think they're crossing a little bit of a line. 
Um, they were a very private family, and you mentioned the wrestling piece of it. You know, they had their fair share of scandals and tragedies. Some were inflicted on them, and some they inflicted on others. You know, I think the rumors about the DuPonts owning this property spread maybe over jealousy about the family. Who knows? And my friends didn't talk much about the connection to the DuPonts, but they did talk about the house. So it's an abandoned stone mansion. And from what they told me, it literally is an angle. So it looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And the legends were that it was built that way intentionally. And the windows, not all of them, but some of the windows are in the shape of upside down crosses. No, oh, dang. <laughs> now, this is from people who told me they were at this house. When they were teenagers, they would go up and down Devil's Road. They would explore the woods and try and, and found this property and saw windows that looked like upside down crosses. Supposedly, this house was the site of satanic rituals and sacrifices. And the evil from that property and what was done there seeped into the ground. And that's what caused the trees to bend at such an angle that it looks like they're trying to get away from the house. Oh, wow. And it's hundreds of feet of trees that are like this. And the other strange phenomena about the trees is that some of them have these enormous knots in them. I mean, this is a, a part of Pennsylvania that's incredibly wooded. It's, it's very old. So some of these trees are probably hundreds of years old. They have these enormous knots in them that have formed to look like a skull. So you drive along this road, and not only are the trees bending at all of these bizarre angles, but it looks like there's faces on some of them. And then there's other ones that have grown so far up out of the ground, their roots are exposed, and the roots have started to twist and curl around one another. There's a legend that a skull was found in the roots of one tree. I was not able to find anything, though, in my research that confirmed whether it's true or not. And people say it was one township police that found the skull. Other people say it was a different township police. I can't find anything to prove that. So I think that piece may just be rumor. Um, I can't go to Devil's Road to check any of this because what my friend has said is that, you know, in the la within, the last, um, within the last 10 years, it's not just no trespassing signs that have been put up on the trees. There's actually a blockade because it got so bad with people going there burning crosses, putting exactly like you said, Jerry, is that blood or is that paint? Like really going to this part of town in Chad's Ford to do bad things or pretend they're doing bad things because of the fact that this was supposedly a site where there were satanic rituals. The other creepy part of the story, and I don't know if it's legend or if it's true because I can't, I can't say for certain because my friends didn't mention anything about this. It was something that I found when I was online is that even though the house is abandoned, and you can imagine a house that's maybe close to 200 years old, that's built from stone, it's abandoned, you know, the trees and the woods have started to take it over, it's, it's terrifying looking. There's a gatehouse on the edge of the property, and the gatehouse is maintained. The gatehouse is not that run down, nowhere near what the, ma what the main house is. And there's a fleet of trucks, of red pickup trucks, that are always parked at this gatehouse. And so there are people from different parts of Pennsylvania within the last 10 to 15 years who claim that they've tried to go down Devil's Road. And this was before the blockade was put up. And they couldn't get down, not because of any no trespassing signs, but because these trucks would follow them. Wow. There are residents who have said they've been followed more than once. There are others that have said as soon as they turned on Costcart Road, the truck just appeared. 
flashing its lights, flashing its lights, you know, getting really close to the bumper. You're not sure if they're going to hit you or not to the point that they had to flee because they were afraid that this car was going to follow them or this truck was going to follow them beyond the area of Devil's Road. So why the house is completely run down and abandoned and taken over by nature, yet this gatehouse is maintained with people patrolling the area. And, and it's not police. You know, I could see if it was an unmarked car, right, like a black SUV or, um, you know, like sometimes up here we have police driving the, the new souped-up Chevy Malibus, but it's unmarked, so you're not 100% sure. But like a red pickup truck, that just doesn't seem like a vehicle that police would use. No, so I, mean, I, don't know who, I don't know who it is that's driving these red trucks around chasing people away or what they're chasing people away from because there's no other properties for, for quite a bit. That's my other, that would be my main question. What are they, what do they not want people to see? I don't know. I don't know. And there's, you know, and even if, even if you can't get down Devil's Road, the, the cross street, Kennett Pike, that you would turn off of, even some of the trees that border this road and the, and the nearest cross street, like you can still see symbols and signs painted on trees. You can see the number 666. And whether it was paint, whether it was blood, nobody knows. But what, what scares me the most about this is those damn trees. You know, there's, there's, I mean, all over this part of the country, there's, there's heavy woods, right? Like you might live in a suburban area or you might live in a more urban area, but you only got to drive about 30 minutes to get into what feels like I'm going to get lost in the woods. And I, growing up, you know, we would spend a lot of time at my grandparents' house and their house backed to huge woods. I mean, for miles and miles, God, we used to play in those woods when we were little. We used to we used to tell each other stories about quicksand and, and I've seen some gnarly trees in my life. I have seen some really gnarly trees, but trees that bend in half and they haven't been struck by lightning. They haven't been damaged by a car accident. This is just how they grow. Maybe they're just freaky trees and they like the thought of doing it doggy style. Oh, all right. Well, you never know. You never know. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. The actually the the episode that we're doing that you're go- you're going to be on is the uh, we're going to be doing the Mothman. Do you have any stories up in the Philadelphia area? Is that something you've ever heard about of of uh, in all of your research of, of any kind of Mothman type sightings up in uh, the Pennsylvania area? I have not heard or um, read of any Mothman sightings up here. We have the Jersey Devil, which. Different type of creature, but very similar legend and lore. Some people have seen it; it appears, but I don't think we've had any Mothman sightings up here. That's really cool. I, th- I thought I'd ask because I, I figured, you know, because you're really into into the whole Pennsylvania, you know, lore and the true crime and all the different aspects. And I figured if anybody would know right off, you would. We've got lots of other weird creature sightings up here: uh, werewolves, dog boys, of course, Bigfoot. Um, these little tiny Bigfoots that have been seen at this park in Lancaster for over a hundred years, the Jersey devil, of course. Um, but no, no Mothman. I do believe in that story though. I absolutely do. Oh, I do too. And, and it's, uh, what we're going to cover is a whole bunch of different aspects besides the typical story that everybody knows with the point pleasant and all that. We're going to cover a bunch of it. Of course, by the time they listen to this interview, we'll already be done with it because you'll be towards the end. But anyways, no spoiler, <laughs> no spoiler alert. Apparently, because it are, they'll already have known the story. But yeah, it's it was it's fun researching it because I I definitely said if we were going to do Mothman, I wanted to take a different approach than what everybody else does. So, well, and I think that's the same thing you did with Amity Horror, telling the story of the DeFeos. 
Yeah, that was cool. That was cool because I yeah. don't think anybody knew that story. I, I mean, I mean, people know the story, but it gets glossed over. Most most people only know, oh yeah, he wha- he whacked his whole family, and that was pretty much it. You know, that was all I knew until I listened to that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of yours because you take a different look at it, and it's not the same story that everybody else is telling. Well, we appreciate that. It was a fun episode to do, and I know we, you know, that's the first, that's the only one we've actually done where we did a two part episode. So pretty cool. It was but, good. Dina, I appreciate so much you coming on. Tell everybody how they can uh, find you and listen to your show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you and Tracy so much for having me. You can find Twisted Philly on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Twisted Philly podcast and on Twitter at Twisted underscore Philly. And you can listen to the show on all major podcast apps. Thank you so much for coming on. Love your show. You did a really good representation of anybody listening of of hearing how your show is just just talking about the your first episode and talking telling the story you just did guys if you haven't listened to her show that's the way her show is that was a true representation <laughs> go listen to it you'll get every gamut of emotions uh she will kick somebody's ass or throat punch them in the episode and she'll probably <laughs> cry by the end of it but that's what we love about you thank you thank you so much all right darling we'll talk to you soon nice to talk to all you right. honey now, see, how cool is Dina? She is one of the most real people you will ever encounter in your life. And her podcast, what you heard tonight, is exactly the way her podcast is. So if you listen in, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, y'all listen in. She's a, real, she's a real deal. She just tells it from her heart and how she feels, and that's the way we like it. Guys, we're going to add a couple of segments to the show each week. And I'm gonna have to remember to do this because when we've added segments before, we just kind of forget because I don't, I'm not that organized when it comes to that. But we're gonna add a couple of segments, and I'm not gonna lie to you. The reason for adding these segments is to eventually get sponsorship. So yes, we will at some point in time have commercials. I don't think it's any secret that we would eventually like to be full-time podcasters. We would like for this to be the way we make our income. It's very hard to do. We rely on Patreon sponsorship. We rely on sponsors. Uh, to come in and and to be able to you know do commercials and stuff. I know you guys don't like that. I don't like listening to commercials on TV or wherever. But the reality of it is, if we ever are going to get to the point where we do a couple of shows a week, which is what I would love to be able to do, uh, I'd like to be able to do one true crime show every week and one uh, paranormal show and just do two a week. And I, I think most of you guys would like that. But unfortunately, there's no time with both of us working full time jobs. So. The intention is to hopefully get, you know, our Patre- uh, Patreon sponsors up as much as possible and to get some advertisers like the headphone company that uh, likes what you guys are doing. So anytime you can support by, like, buying these headphones and stuff like that, that stuff helps us out. Yes, it sure does. And, of course, we appreciate anything you guys do. Absolutely. You've already done so much to help us out, and we can't, you know— be more grateful than we are to you guys and just love you guys so much yeah we're not begging by any oh my means gosh, no okay. we are, we're just uh, i guess basically saying hey most people don't like commercials but that's yeah. probably what's going to end up happening in the long run and we're just getting prepared by having some segments that, i hate commercials every time yeah. i'm watching tv i mute it i can't stand them but like for example uh we're going to start doing a creepy fact every week so this week's creepy fact is brought to you by studio Headphones. Don't. Don't. I can't help it. It just Just popped out. All right. So here's what we got. Scafism 
was an ancient form of torture that involved having every orifice covered in honey and then exposed to large swarms of insects, mostly ants. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, this was all after you were force-fed even more honey and milk while being tied to two long pieces of wood. Nice. Don't that sound fun? Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing like an iron up your butt. So then the Mm -hmm. next segment we're going to start including, and they probably won't be at the end, they'll probably be scattered throughout. The next segment is going to be the joke of the week. So your joke of the week is sponsored by nobody, but if you have a business out there and think it's worth a little bit of money to have your name thrown out there and us do like we're doing the headphones, uh, contact us and we'll see what we can do. But here's your joke of the week. All right. So this is one of my favorites to tell on stage. So this guy's driving down the road, his 13-year-old daughter in a car. There's a car in front of him, and it's a man and a woman. They're arguing about something, his infidelity, I'm assuming. I don't know. I didn't ask him. Anyway, so the woman cuts off his his man thing, we'll say. His pita. Yeah. She cuts it off. She tosses it out the window, which then bounces off the windshield of the guy with his 13-year-old daughter. His daughter says, Daddy, what's that? Well, he doesn't want to have this conversation, obviously, with his 13-year-old daughter. So he says, oh, well, it was a bug, darling. And she said, oh, wow, it sure had a big-ass dick. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's one of my favorites. So. Love it. All right. This is not a good transition, but unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't think this through. We have to end the night on a little bit of a serious note. One of our listeners, unfortunately, um, wrote us told us she'd had a very rough week last week she lost her husband due to suicide and i told her that once again we would bring up how important it is to talk to somebody if you're in an emotional state where you just feel like it's hopeless talk to anybody if you know somebody who you feel like might be in that shape try to talk to them It's so hard when you're in that position, when you're in that frame of mind to seek help, because that's not what you think of doing. Trust me, I've been there. I know how that feels. And the last thing that you're thinking about is, let me go grab somebody and talk to them. It just doesn't work that way. Now, I could give out the suicide hotline number. Nobody's going to write that down. If you want it that bad enough, you can Google it. But each one of you have the ability to grab somebody that you think might be struggling and just get them to talking. Mm-hmm. Ask if there's anything you can do. Be a friend. Be an ear. I actually had someone last night at about one thirty send me a message on Facebook talking about some issues that they were going through and how they just had gone down the wrong road. And, yeah, it was late at night, but I woke up because I'm like, you know, what if I'm the only person he gets a hold of he wants to talk to? And so we just talked for a while, but, you know, just – it could be any time of the day or night. Just don't turn people away that are asking for help because, you know, you may be the one that turns the corner for them. Keep this in mind. Everybody out there needs somebody else. Yep. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care uh, if you're the type of person that just feels like you can do everything yourself. At some point in time, everybody needs somebody, if nothing else, to just listen. The problems that we have so often is we just try to give advice. Not everybody wants advice. Right. They just want somebody to listen to them. If they ask for your advice, have at it. And that's, you know, that's where we're at. So once again, I just want to tell people such, 
as Tracy just said, people know this, who know us on a genuine basis, they know that they can contact us anytime. You guys, if you are listening to this, you are part of our family. We look at you as part of our family. And we want you to know that you can reach out to us. Sometimes it helps to have a stranger. I mean, I know some of you don't consider us strangers because you hear us all the time. But the reality of it is it's hard to turn to people you associate with every day that you work with or your family members or, or your you know, friends you've known for 20 or 30 years. It's just it's, there's a certain amount of embarrassment sometimes uh, that you feel like. And there shouldn't be embarrassment, but that's the way people feel. So the bottom line is, if you need to reach out to a total stranger that you feel like won't judge you, contact us. Send us a message on Facebook. Uh, Send us a message through email. If you need to, call us. 502-817-0899. That's my cell phone number. You can call that anytime, night, or day, and we will talk to you. I'm not giving Tracy's out because every horn dog out there will turn around and try to send her messages. Damn. So... Is it hate to end on a negative note, especially after telling a joke? But I, I wanted to make sure we got this in. Like I said, I didn't really completely think this through because, mm-hmm. once again, the organization thing. But yeah. I did think it was important enough that I wanted to mention before we got off the air. We love you guys. Just love each other. That's all. This world's in a crappy place right now. And uh, we just we just need to all come together and have positive vibes, love one another, you know, and just enjoy the day. I agree wholeheartedly. And if you need help, send us a message. Send somebody a message. There's no shame in in, uh, asking for help of of whatever kind. We all run into financial difficulties. We all run into, you know, whether it be heartache, Mm -hmm. whatever causes these things. Suicide does not have to be the answer. Nope. Absolutely not. And I'm not one of these people that's going to say, it's a selfish act. You look at all the people you hurt. That's not what people need to hear. Um, people do get hurt, but I'm telling you, when you're in that frame of mind, you don't think about those things. Mm-hmm. The things that the things that you can sit here right now as a person who's not in that situation, you can say, oh, I would never do that. Let a catastrophic event hit your life, and you'll be surprised how that changes. I can tell you that I grew up Catholic. I grew up thinking if you commit suicide, you go to hell. That was something that I looked at and had seen and said, how in the world could somebody choose that? How in the world could that even be a thought to go through somebody's head? When my life fell apart, it not only came to my head, it was enough where I tried to act on it. Now, why did I try to act on it? Because I felt so helpless so hopeless and so devoid of any kind of pleasure in my life that there was no reasoning for me to go on. Was I wrong? A hundred percent. But I couldn't see that. It was like being in a cloud of thick fog that you just can't see out. Even though the bright things could be right on the other side, a few feet away, if you can't see it, you can't see it. You know, my life, luckily for me, um, turned for the better as it most always will for everybody else just give it a chance keep plugging away keep being a soldier and things will always get better they almost always do amen well said babe we'll leave you guys with that um next week big show hopefully we got our surprise guest 
Trust me, if I get this interview under lock and key and it's done, I will plaster it all over Facebook. But you guys would be happy. Uh, the Warrens, The Conjuring, Diana Denise from History Goes Bump, who are great friends of the show. We have a fantastic interview with those young ladies. History Goes Bump is a fantastic show, and they have helped us out tremendously. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this interview. Uh, they are such huge, huge help to the show, and uh, I can't thank them enough. And there was no way I was going to have our, our one-year anniversary without having them on the show. So since we talked a little bit about depression and suicide, I want to leave you guys with a song from Collective Soul that I actually is one of my go-to songs when things get tough in life. And uh, hopefully it helps you guys out, but it's called Good Morning After All. Yeah, you give up some days when the tears they must flow. But God is always your strength, the only strength that you know. Now everything starts to fall in place. Why'd you wait just to cry? Step. It's just another step today. Hey, hey, hey. 